Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the Forward Progress Football Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Pardee, and today we're going to be looking back at all the week one showdowns before looking forward to the Thursday night bout between the Chargers and the Chiefs. So let's get right on into it. Man, week one was as unpredictable as one could imagine. Um, personally, I was seven and eight overall, or seven eight and one overall, because we had a freaking tie between the Colts and the Texans. Uh, six and ten against the spread. Not my best week, but hopefully, only up from here. You know, starting things off with the Niners at the Bears. The Niners lost ten to nineteen. Um, that was both a loss for me against the spread and straight up. Um, but for the Niners, let's start off, start off talking good. Talanoa Hufanga had a hell of a game. 11 tackles, 2 for loss, uh, interception. He had an 88 overall coverage game uh, grade based off of PFF stats. He was just all over the place. Uh, watching him, he looked like, obviously, long hair. You're going to go straight to Troy Polamalu. Um, I believe he was a fifth-round pick last year, and he's just already taking that starting role and um, filling that void left by Whiskey Tart and being the playmaker that they needed from that position. Secondly, we had Samson Ebukam with four pressures in the sack. He looked really good opposite of Nick Bosa. They're finally getting that second edge rush presence that they were hoping to get from D4 a while ago. Um, and it looks like Ebukam can be that guy, so that's looking up for them. And then thirdly, uh, Traverius Ward. He looked really good in his debut as a Niner. He gave up a couple catches, um, two, two catches on five, five targets, 40 yards allowed, but... He looked really good in press, being that press man, physical corner, just sticking on receivers. Got beat a couple times, as I said, but overall a solid game, I believe. Some fallers, though, uh, Mike McGlinchey, he didn't really look that good in pass protection. Like, yeah, he was still kicking ass as he does in run blocking, but against pass pro, um, gave up a couple pressures and a sack. You had Drake Greenlaw also having a pretty horrid game. Um, four tackles, one for a loss, but just picked apart in coverage. Four for four with a 70 yards allowed and then a 44.9 overall run defense grade. Um, he just wasn't able to – he didn't look the same coming off of the injury that he had last season. and wasn't able to be a really impact against the run or the pass, just getting the Bears offense just having their way with him. And then my last follower is going to be Trey Lance, uh, 13 for 28, 164, zero touchdowns, one interception, and then 13 rushes for 54 yards and zero touchdowns. He just, obviously, this is, they were playing in like the Great Lakes or something over there in Chicago, but he just didn't have the game that many were hoping for. He didn't use his legs as much and as effectively as he could have in this downpour terrain. Don't want to overact to week one, but definitely a bit stock down on him. Um, he also had that costly pick in crunch time, not what you're looking for, obviously. And then moving on to the bear side of the ball, uh, I thought Dominique Robinson had a real nice game. He had three pressures, one and a half sacks, and a TFL just looking good against the Niners. As I said, I've been cautious about their interior O-line, but their tackle duo should be pretty good. Um, McGlinchey up and down career so far, but Robinson was off to a really hot start. Nice to see that from a young player. Justin Fields, I thought, also played incredible. Um, maybe not incredible, like eight completions, 17 attempts, 121 yards, two touchdowns and a pick, 11 rushes for 28 yards and no touchdowns. So obviously not a statistically great game, but he started slow and didn't produce much, but was able to still step up late in the game, make big plays when it mattered, and rally this team rally behind him. And he got this team over the hump and 
down 10-0, ended up winning 19 to nothing. A pretty impressive performance, as I said, playing in this monsoon of a game. And then Eddie Jackson, he had a great game too. He had an interception and zero completions were credited to him. Um, just keeping a cap on this defense. Obviously, it's hard to throw downfield in this type of terrain, but he didn't like he didn't even get looked at. Like no one even. I think he might have had a couple targets in his area, but he just nothing allowed his way. Not letting the Niners get any big plays. And looking on places where the Niners or where the Bears, my bad, can improve. We had Braxton Jones giving up three pressures, two sacks. He he just looked like a rookie fifth-round pick going against what could be the defense play of the year in Nick Bosa, just kind of getting whooped. And um, Ebucom also had his way with him a couple times. Um, Darnell Mooney, he caught one pass on three targets for eight yards, just pretty much like a non-factor for a team that we've all been saying has no wide receivers outside of Moody. And, okay, well, he didn't do anything this game. And then David Montgomery, he also had a pretty poor game, um, 17 for 26, uh, rushes, three three catches, four targets, 24 yards. Just Khalil Herbert looked like the better back overall in this game, more explosive, faster, creating more yards after contact, just all around not a good showing by Montgomery, who I think you got to start questioning, like, is Herbert, should Herbert be the lead back, especially with Montgomery's contract coming up soon? Next up, we have the Saints beating the Falcons 27-26 to in an epic comeback. Um, I got the overall prediction right, but the Falcons covered the spread. I did not predict that. For the Saints, um, Jameis Winston just looked amazing in the fourth quarter. Overall, he was 23-4, 34-269, two touchdowns, as well as nine yards on two rushes on the ground. Um, yeah, he just he really stepped up late in the game. He didn't look that good early on not hitting open targets not hitting his receivers um not creating these chunk plays that we're known out of winston but then when it needed to late he was really able to um produce some game winning drives and a lot of that was because michael thomas's reemergence too five catches on eight targets 57 yards but two touchdowns he's looking back to being one of the best wide receivers in the league coming up huge in clutch, clutch moments and even if he's not getting like amazing separation, he's able to win these contested targets that they really need some wide receivers to step up and start doing on the Saints. And then Marshawn Lattimore also had a really nice game. Uh, one target or two targets, one catch allowed, six yards. Uh, he just locked up Pitts and London when he was lined up on him the entire game. Um, yeah, looking like the elite Marshawn Lattimore we all know. However, Alvin Kamara did not have as good of a game. Um, nine carries, 39 yards. Three catches on four targets for seven yards. Just really like not an impact player. You in the past, this offense ran through Kamara, and it looks like they're starting to lean away from that. Like even like all like twelve touches before the Saints would scheme up way more touches for Kamara than that. And for whatever reason, this game they didn't want to. Maybe they're planning on using him more in the future, trying to keep his legs fresh, but. This was a lot more about the passing game this game than it was against the or than it was for like a rushing attack, which I'm kind of surprised. I don't really see the Falcons as having the best run D, but they really stepped it up this game against Kamara. Uh, and then Peyton Turner, he did. He had 14 snaps this game, but he just did absolutely nothing. He was a first round pick last year and he's barely able to see the field. And when he is there, he's not not doing a single thing. And that's just disappointing to see from the young second year player. And then Bradley Roby, uh, he was targeted eight times, gave up six catches and 70 yards. 
while Loudmore was locked down on one side, uh, London was getting his way on Roby for most of the game. So just obviously London had a good game too. So you can't you have to see is that just London being really good or was that Roby being pretty bad this game? Speaking of London, though, he had five catches, seven targets, 74 yards, no touchdowns, though. Um, overall, a really solid performance from the number eight overall pick from this draft. Uh, good to see him getting off to a hot start and having that instant chemistry with Mariota. Hopefully he can keep this up throughout the season, get a couple touchdowns under his belt, too. Uh, Cordero Patterson also had a phenomenal game, looking like a great running back again with 22 carries, 120 yards, and a touchdown, and then three catches on five targets for 16 yards. Not as much of a factor in the receiving game as he has been in the past, but he was just dominant on the ground, which honestly shocked me. Um, I thought that they would really use um, other players in the backfield more. I know Aljair was out, but they have Williams there too. I thought that they'd be using um, those guys a lot more as true running backs. And then Patterson going back to more of his receiver role, especially with the lack of talent in receivers for the Falcons. But, I mean, obviously he showed that he can still run between the tackles and run hard. And then Grady Jarrett also had a hell of game too. One of the most underrated players in the league right now. Five pressures, one and a half sacks, one TFL, just destroying the interior of this Saints defense or Saints offensive line. My bad. Um, some players not doing as well. Jalen Hawkins didn't think had that good of a game. The safety for the Falcons, uh, five five completions allowed on eight targets and 45 yards just seemed like every time i saw him near the ball he was giving up a catch obviously he didn't allow every catch he also had a pretty nice pass breakup in the game but overall just not like a solid showing for someone trying to be a starter in the league uh, brian edwards too was traded in the offseason over to the falcons he had one target uh end zone target that he could have caught it was a great defensive play too but he was a starter this game was out there the entire time and he just had so much hype as a third-round pick a couple years ago for the Raiders. Never amounted to much with the Raiders as long as it wasn't overtime. And now that it's now that he's on a new situation with the Falcons, you thought like, oh, maybe it's going to be a bit different. They're going to need to target him more. They don't have a Hunter Renfro. They don't have a uh, Darren Waller. Well, maybe they do with now with Drake London and oh, Kyle Pitts. But either way, just seeing no action at getting 30 plus snaps out there just not a good showing by him and then aj terrell um, four catches allowed on five targets 34 yards and two touchdowns i thought he played well honestly overall but michael thomas just had his way at the catch point um with those two touchdowns and yeah like it doesn't as a corner you can have a good overall game but if you just beat a couple times like that when it really matters then it's like okay yeah like he played well for like, I don't know how many snaps, like 40 snaps. But on those four snaps, you gave up some pretty significant plays that kind of cost the team the game. Uh, then we have the Browns going on the road, taking on the Panthers, beating them 26 to 24. Um, L's in both categories by me. I thought the Panthers would cover and win. Uh, but the Browns running game just did not want that to happen. Uh, Chubb had 22 carries, 141 yards, and then a catch for... Um, two yards and then hunt 11 carries 46 yards and a touchdown and then four catches on four targets 24 yards and a touchdown they were just the dominant running back duo that we've known them to be that's what well over 200 yards combined from scrimmage and yeah they're this team especially early on without watching is just gonna live through the running backs and 
They show that they can still win. Put up 26 points is a good showing by an NFL offense, especially one with Jacoby Brissett at the helm. Um, and then also, though, they have Donovan Peoples-Jones stepping up. Um, I wasn't sure if he was going to be like relegated to a lesser role with Coop being brought in here, but clearly that wasn't the take. The case he had 11 targets, caught six of the passes for 60 yards. Um, obviously, not the most productive day, but 60 yards is still good overall. And he showed that he still he might still be this team's number one, even with Coop being here, which is really good for a fifth or sixth round pick coming out a couple of years ago. And then Miles Garrett, of course. Um, He's going to be Defensive Player of the Year one of these days. Maybe this is the year, especially with that showing. Six pressures, two sacks, three TFLs. He just had his freaking way with the young rookie, Ika Um, Some players I didn't think played as well. Grant Delpit, he allowed four catches in his zone, um, four for four on targets, 51 yards. He did have a pick, but it wasn't good coverage. He was actually pretty far off his guy. Just Baker just sailed that boy straight to him and he gave up a big 50-yard play to ian thomas i don't know what he was doing he just didn't get back in his zone it was like a quarters concept it looked like and yeah he just didn't get back there i don't know what was going on there um david and joku he got a huge contract over the summer and he was produced by harrison bryant he had one catch for seven yards only targeted one time like i was very surprised by that i really like Njoku. he's an athletic guy makes these crazy catches but for whatever reason the browns just never want to use him and he's there's always a drama like oh like i want out because i'm not getting used he says that and then he gets a couple targets he's like okay i'm happy enough to stay and yeah well, i guess we're back in the okay not getting enough targets phases we'll see how long it takes for them to use him again and him to be productive and then amari cooper uh six targets three catches 17 yards just yeah like a non-factor out there he wasn't their number one target i was surprised by that donovan people jones as i said was um is this going to be a week-by-week -week thing? Is Cooper, like, him and Brissett just not on the same page? You would think that Cooper would be someone that Brissett could work really well with because he wins in the short area, medium, intermediate area, not really down the field as much. Like, he can win down the field, but that's not really his game as much. He's a he's one of the best route runners in the NFL. He'll get open fast, quick, and often for his quarterback, but he didn't today. And then moving on to the Panther side of the ball, we have Robbie Anderson going off for five catches on eight targets with 102 yards and one touchdown. Um, big play threat of him is back. He had a down year last year with Sam Darnold. Every time he's had a down year, it's because he's playing with Sam Darnold or some other Jets quarterback. And now that he's back with at least like a competent quarterback and Baker, um, yeah, he's explosive. He looks fast out there, beating corners deep, and good to see that this version of him is back. Um, I also thought DJ Moore had a pretty solid overall game. He not statistically, he had six catches or three catches on six targets for forty-three yards, but overall, I thought he looked good out there. Still, um, just needs to kind of have Baker look his way a bit more and be a bit more accurate with his passes. And then CMC also had a great game. Um, Ten carries, thirty-three yards, one touchdown, four rushes. Oh, four catches on four targets, 24 yards. Um, also, once again, not a statistically impressive game. He only had 14 touches. You would think that they would want to get him the ball more because when he got the ball, he looked so explosive. He looked like himself again. And I just want the Panthers to feature him more. But I also understand the concern of, okay, like this guy can break down any second, maybe hold him off for later in the game or later in the year. But either way, I think he looks fully healthy, ready to get back out there and dominate again. As for the fallers, I have Baker Mayfield as one of them. 16 completions on 27 attempts, uh, 235 yards, one touchdown, one interception. 
it just was a very overall inaccurate game. He didn't step up. Like, he led what could have been a game-winning drive at the end, but obviously the Browns came back and hit that game-winning field goal um, in a revenge game where he's supposed to thrive as this underdog mentality sort of guy. He just wasn't wasn't it. It was inaccurate, couldn't hit open receivers, under pressure a lot too, so that didn't help. But overall, just not his best showing in what could have been like a I'm back baby sort of game, you know, just like, okay, you're still Baker. Um, part of the reason, though, was Ike McQuanu did not have a good game in his first one as a rookie. To be fair, he was going against Miles Garrett, who may be this league's best edge rusher, especially with TJ Watt now out. Um, he gave up four pressures, two sacks. PFF gave him a 17.9 pass blocking grade, which is just obviously atrocious. Um, around 60s is average. That was his concern coming out. Like, he was a decent run blocker today, but... All the concern was like, okay, is he going to be able to pass protect? And I think he will get there. But first game, Miles Garrett, man, welcome to the NFL. And then J.C. Horn, um, once again, not like a terrible game by him, but just kind of like, okay, like you weren't as impressive as you were as a college player and then as a rookie. Um, last year, he gave up one catch for eight yards through two and a half games before getting injured. Today, he gave up four catches on five targets, 31 yards, just... Yeah, not like obviously terrible, like 31 yards. That's still like a pretty overall good game, but he was just targeted a lot more than he was as a rookie. And it's like, okay, like, are you going to be able to be one of the league's top corners if Donovan Peoples-Jones is giving you fits? And then with the Steelers at the Bengals, Steelers coming out on top 23-20. to 20. Um, I did have the Bengals winning this game, so I was wrong there, but I also had the Steelers covering, so at least I got that right. Um, Alex Highsmith had the game of his career so far. Six pressures, three sacks, two tackles for losses, a forced fumble. He just looked absolutely dominant out there, destroying Jonah Williams on and on. Hopefully he can keep this up because with TJ Watt out, they're going to need someone to step up on this defensive line, um, especially because TJ Watt also had an amazing game. But like that's, that's just to be expected at this point. Two pressures, one sack, so not as impactful in that department but it's also going against the better tackle in Lyle Collins he had three tackle for losses dominant in the run game as always uh, had an interception he just kicked ass the whole game despite going against Lyle Collins as I said and his interception was just like he read the quarterback jumps off like I don't know man you, you don't see that from a not special player and the fact that we won't be able to see TJ Watt for the rest of the th or for the next like couple months is just tragic because he's just so fun to watch speaking of fun to watch minka fitzpatrick three catches allowed on four targets for 24 yards he had a pick six to start the game uh blocked the field goal in uh on the final play of the game to send it to overtime all over the field and coverage not allowing shit in his own um yeah just one of the incredible games putting his name up there early for defensive player of the year if he keeps playing like this and then on the other hand, we have George Pickens. Um, he started, but he only had three targets, one catch, three yards. Just for someone that's so much hype to just come out completely flat like that was just definitely disappointing to see. And maybe it is just kind of like, uh, okay, he's a rookie. We'll get him worked in a bit slower than that. But still, definitely thought he was going to have a bigger game than this. I kill a Witherspoon too. Um, seven catches allowed on nine targets, 66 yards given up. Um, touchdown on his head but he also did get an interception so that's good 
it's a tough task to cover Jamar Chase. He got beat a couple times by him, definitely. Um, the interception was pretty nice, though. Have to give him that. But overall, just Jamar Chase beating up a killer word spoon is what allowed the Bengals to get back into this game. And then Najee Harris also just not having a good game overall. 10 carries, 23 yards. Uh, he got two targets, caught both of them, but for only three yards and a touchdown. Uh, it showed that, like, I think this game showed that no matter how talented the player is, the running back is, it's just tough to run behind a poor offensive line like the Steelers. So we'll see how long Najee is out, too, because he's injured. Hopefully not too long because the backup running backs for the Steelers are practically just people picked up off the street. They aren't aren't above average NFL athletes and behind a poor offensive line. That's just a terrible combination. And the Steelers can't win in the passing game either. So don't know how they'll have offense if Najee's out for a long time. And then on the Bengals side of the ball, Jamar Chase is still him. 10 catches, 16 uh, targets, 129 yards and a touchdown. Should have had two touchdowns, but the Bengals didn't challenge the one that he clearly caught. Um, he's still a dominant player, just one of the best receivers in the league, top five right away. His chemistry with Burrow is just amazing, and he should just have another incredible year. Very surprised if he doesn't. Um, we also have DJ Reader. He was part of the reason why the Steelers' run game was so ineffective. Three tackle or three pressures, zero um, sacks, though, and a TFL. He just ate up space in the middle. There's one play, um, I forgot who the guard was. I think it was Trey Turner at the time because the Steelers were kind of rotating around the guards, but he just hucks him to the side and tackles Najee at the line of scrimmage, uh, just not giving the Steelers any room to run. Just great, great game by him, showing why he got that big three-year, $30 million contract this offseason. And then Jermaine Pratt, I also thought, had a really good game. Eight tackles, one for loss. Uh, he was not targeted at all in coverage. He just had an overall good game. I was kind of worried about this Steelers line or this Bengals linebacking core. Um, Logan Wilson was looking like he was on the up, and also he also had a really good game too. But I was like, okay, Jermaine Pratt, he's had his ups, he's had his down. Is he going to be able to be the number two linebacker here and hold on to that job? And if he plays like this all year, then hell yeah, he will. Um Players that didn't play as well, though, Joe Burrow, man, 33 uh, completions on 53 attempts, 338 yards, two touchdowns, that sounds all good, but four interceptions, two fumbles, only one of them was lost, but he was just inaccurate, forcing passes, had terrible pocket presence, like shouldn't have taken so many sacks, holding onto the ball way too long. Uh, especially with T. Higgins going down. He was just looking only at Jamar Chase, it felt like. And, yeah, the Steelers took advantage of his, like, week one jitters. We'll see. He had a couple bad games last year, too, like the one where he threw three straight picks against the Bears and ended up losing that game. Maybe this is just part of who Joe, Joe Burrow is. He'll just have, like, a couple games a year where he's just a turnover machine. Um, but overall, he... He did almost lead. He should have led an amazing comeback effort. He played a lot better in the second half, still threw an interception in the second half. But, yeah, you, you can't win games if you're turning the ball over five times, um, possibly six if that fumble was picked up. Jonah Williams, he was the one mainstay from this offensive line from last year. Gave up seven pressures and two sacks. Uh, he did not look like the former number one overall pick who we were expecting to be the for sure average to above average player on this line um alex highsmith just 
destroyed him over and over again. Like Highsmith, maybe he's an amazing player, but up until now he hasn't been. So to see that out of Jonah Williams is definitely concerning. And then Zach Taylor, man, the end of the game just was not a good showing for him. Um, he didn't challenge Jamar's touchdown that probably would have been counted as a touchdown if it was challenged. He kicked a field goal in overtime on third down with a backup long snapper. Like, what? Really? Like, not even going to try to get, like, a little bit closer? Or, yeah, that I, I don't know what that was about. There was still plenty of time left on the clock, too, because after that missed field goal, they forced a three and out, or they got the ball back either way, and then drove down the field again, but couldn't get in the field goal range and punted the ball with eight seconds left on the play clock. Um, why would you do that? That's just giving the Steelers another eight seconds, which they needed to kick the game-winning field goal. Like, if you're going to punt the ball away and just concede and be like, okay, we'll play for the tie. Like, play for the tie. Get all the clock time off the clock. Um, I don't know. I don't know if he was just too distracted by the fact he had a backup long snapper and Joe Burrow was turning the ball over like crazy. I don't know what was going on with Zach Taylor's mind on that. Okay, then we have the Jags going on to face the Commanders in D.C., um, losing 22-28. to 28. Uh, I was wrong about this. I thought the Jags were going to come in and show, like, hey, we are serious this year. We are different than we were before. But really, besides the overall dysfunction from the Urban Meyer era, they looked just about the same. Um, Josh Allen, I thought, did have a good game, though. Two pressures, uh, no sacks, though, but two TFLs and a forced fumble. Um not really his best pass rushing game that he's had, but just really all over the place and run defense, not allowing runs to decide. I thought he played well overall and looked like he could be one of the league's better young edge rushers. And then I thought the running backs for the Jags had good games overall, especially James Robinson, 11 carries, 66 yards and a touchdown, as well as a three-yard catch for a touchdown. Um, he looked explosive out there. He looked like the main running back for this team. Um, ETN, I also thought... He was very up and down, but I still wanted to acknowledge him because when he had the ball and when it was in his hands and he was running with it in space, he looked good. He had four carries for 47 yards and then two catches for 18 yards on four targets. Um, he had some mess ups with the fumble just like being rocked. He had a drop touchdown. He might have had two, honestly, now that I'm thinking of it. But you can just see the raw talent oozing from him. His explosiveness, his speed, his ability to make guys miss. It's all there. He just needs to put his hands together or something. I don't know. And then Trayvon Walker, um, he only had one pressure, but that one pressure was a great sack. And he also had a nice TFL um, and an interception. The interception, I thought, was really big. Because early on, he was beat by a screenplay. And it was kind of like, okay, like get your head around make sure you're playing that screen when the offensive lineman just kind of like shucks you like that like don't just strip um sprint towards the quarterback then on the next time they ran a screenplay to his side he did that he got over and he made a tackle for minimum gain and the next time they ran a screenplay in his direction he fully read it got off the blocker got the interception amazing play by him so just seeing that in-game growth by him was like okay like he's recognizing patterns and using that in-game if he combines that with like film study and hard work ethic and stuff, he's he could be special, man. I mean, obviously, he was taking number one overall for a reason. And then players I thought didn't have as good of a game, um, Darius Williams, five catches allowed on six targets, 44 yards. Um, he's not a slot corner. That was his thing in 
LA with the Rams. He was a really good outside corner despite being 5'9". But because he's 5'9", when he got to Jacksonville, even though he's being paid over $10 million a year, they were like, oh yeah, he's a slot corner. Well, he's not. He got beat pretty badly. Um, they should stick him at outside corner, especially with Shaquille Griffin playing the way he did. Five catches allowed, 75 yards on eight targets, two touchdowns. Got beat by Terry McLaurin for a pretty big play. Um, Jahan Dotson also got him a couple times, got a touchdown on him too. Just overall not a above average starting quality performance by him and i think that it would be their best idea to put darius williams opposite of tyson campbell who also had a good game out there put those two on the outside figure out what you want in the inside because i didn't think griffin had that good of a game and then eluakon uh four-sided eluakon gave up four catches seven on seven targets 33 yards he just got beat a couple times and they didn't look like some major upgrade over miles jack like why i don't know if i'm ever going to understand why you would cut jack spend extra money on four side of when they're similar caliber players like this isn't even about him having a terrible game it's just like okay like miles jack could have done that why are you paying five million dollars extra for four side of i don't understand it um and then on the commander side of the ball we have uh, not Debo. Well, Curtis Samuel playing like Debo Samuel, man. He looked amazing. Four carries, 17 yards, um, eight catches on 11 targets, 55 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, he was playing, being used in that Debo Samuel role, a hybrid player in college out of Ohio State. Didn't really get used that much in the with the Panthers, was injured all, most of last year with the Commanders. And now he looks healthy and ready to be one of the main forces on this commander's offense and him terry mclaurin Jahan dotson that could be a pretty great trio um another baller on this team Derek forrest wow like as <laughs> week one is unpredictable this guy came out of nowhere three catches allowed on six targets for 61 yards uh one interception yeah a lot of yardage but overall he just had like a dominant performance uh filling in for the injured cameron curl he had a huge hit on etn to force the fumble i'm sure you've seen it if not just look up um forest fumble or Derek forest fumble i don't know look it up on youtube he just lights up etn um had a nice pick on the sideline to end the game uh trevor lawrence just kind of had like an effort ball hooking it up there didn't need to do it that was a, definitely a bad decision by lawrence but the fact that Forrest was able to get his feet inbound, see the throw coming. Um, he was playing a lot deeper, came in, undercut, and made a great pick along the sideline. Had a nice pass breakup in the end zone, too, just overall all over the field, looking like he might be able to earn a starting gig. And then Darren Payne also had a dominant performance. Um, dominant performance, honestly, by this whole defensive line, but just shout out especially to Payne, who I was kind of wondering, like, is he going to lose his job? Um, he had five pressures, one sack, one TFL, but he's playing in a contract year and they just drafted the defensive tackle in the second round this year. But he's showing like, hey, like you guys got me. You guys don't need more than me. I'm here to play and play hard and good to see this performance out of him. On the other end of the spectrum, though, I did not think Jermaine Davis had a good game. Four catches on six targets, 62 yards. Uh, Should have given up a, a touchdown to, to ETN, but he dropped it. It just doesn't look like he has any sort of coverage feel still in year two. Um, you can see all the athletic traits by him, but he just needs to get the mental aspect of the game down. And you're hoping that an offseason will help him work on that. But so far, it's not looking that way. 
Kendall Fuller also had a pretty poor game. Three catches allowed on seven targets, 74 yards. He gave up that big play to Christian Kirk. And as I said with um, AJ Terrell earlier, you can have many, many good plays in a row. But when you give up that one big play, that's just backbreaking as a corner. Um, you, you just can't do that simply. And then William Jackson also had a poor game. Six catches allowed on seven targets, uh, 57 yards. He also had a penalty given up on Trevor Lawrence's first throw. He almost gave up a bomb to Marvin Jones, but that was overthrown. Um, Jones had a step on him, and you know Marvin Jones, he's getting up there in age. He shouldn't be getting a step on William Jackson, who should be one of the best corners in the league. Um, yeah, I don't know what happened to Jackson. He came in looking dominant. Each year, I feel like he's just getting worse and worse. Then for the Eagles at the Lions, that was a 38-35 to win by the Eagles. Um, it's a win for me outright, but the Lions did manage to cover the spread, which I did not see coming. Jalen Hurts had 18 completions, 32 attempts, 243 yards, no touchdowns, but no interceptions. Um, 17 rushes for 90 yards and a touchdown. He did have two drops, though. His adjusted completion percentage was 83.3. One of the most accurate quarterbacks this week. He was putting the ball on the targets, especially A.J. Brown. He had a marshy game. We'll get to him soon. But, yeah, he was navigating pressure well in the pocket, um, scrambling for first downs. Just overall looked like he is taking that next step to being one of the – like, I think he can definitely establish himself as a top 15 quarterback if he plays like this every week. And I think he can play even better because I do think the Lions play pretty well defensively. Um not on A.J. Brown, but overall, I think the Lions have a pretty decent defense, and Jalen Hurts are still able to do work against them. Uh, A.J. Brown, though, man, have a have a day getting traded over from the Titans and still being like, yeah, I'm him. 10 catches, 13 targets, 155 yards, just having his way on this Lions secondary that I'm optimistic about, but not, maybe not so much after the item performance. Um Another good performance by Marcus Epps, too. Three targets for three catches, um, 30 yards given up in a touchdown. Uh, he won out the starting job. That's, I think, the bigger thing from what I saw. Um, he had a couple of nice plays, and I think he should be the starter this whole year. He blew up uh, Amon Ra, St. Brown, and he had a pretty solid day in coverage despite giving up all three targets that went, and went, went his way. Um, on the other, like... I don't know, 50 plays or so, he was locking down his guy. And then Devonta Smith just did nothing out there. He had four targets, a drop, um, no catches, just it's like he didn't even play. Very surprising to see. But the Jalen Hurts-Devonta Smith combo was going to be electric this year, but it looks like it's the Hurts-AJ Brown combo. We'll see. Obviously, he's going to do better. This is going to be his worst game of the year, but hopefully it's not a sign of things to come. Uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson also had a pretty bad game. Three missed tackles, gave up five catches for seven targets, or on seven targets and 43 yards. Uh, he just got traded here. He's clearly just adjusting to the new scheme and defense and getting to know his team better. Um, this isn't the normal performance from him, and I don't expect them going on forwards. I just, just this performance wasn't his best. And then Javon Hargrave, um, he's supposed to be one of the best defensive tackles in this league especially playing on a pretty deep philadelphia defensive line but he only had two pressures zero sacks zero tackles for loss he wasn't an impact against the run or the pass i really expected more from him and honestly this whole defensive line i expected more from but the lions do have one of the best offensive lines in the league so we'll see if that's was uh hargrave and the other like fletcher cox performance and stuff was also a 
symptom of the lines or if it's a symptom of them slowing down. As for lines, though, I thought Jeffrey Okuda had a great game. Um, he did give up four catches for 32 yards on five targets. He had a pass breakup, though. Um, overall, yeah, solid performance, especially because he was facing A.J. Brown a lot of the time. Um, yeah, A.J. Brown, he's going to have his way, but he looks like – Jeffrey Okuda looks like he's on his way back to being that, that great cornerback prospect that we saw coming out of Ohio State a couple years ago. And then Tracy Walker was all over the field. He had a sack. He didn't allow anything his way in coverage and amazing run defense too. Uh, great couple of TFLs just all over the field. Amazing performance by him. He got injured late in the game. I don't think it's anything serious. Hopefully not because he I th- he had a bit of a down year last year. So hopefully he's looking more like he did early on in his career and he can keep that up. And then DeAndre Swift, also an amazing game. 15 carries, 144 yards, one touchdown, three catches on three targets for 31 yards. Is this finally the start of his breakout campaign in year three? Um, Coming out of Georgia, you could see all the physical tools with him. He's explosive. He's a great receiving back, good in space. And now with behind this amazing offensive line, he's starting to put that together. And that's just exciting to see. Um, Amani Warrior, though, he did not have good of a game. Um, five catches allowed on eighty on eight targets for 85 yards. Didn't give up a touchdown. He had a pass breakup. Um, A.J. Brown, though, had just whatever he wanted against him. Um, yeah, we'll see if this is, once again, a sign of things to come or just a symptom of playing. You're playing, going against A.J. Brown, one of the best receivers in the league. You're going to get beat as the number two corner. Um, Jared Goff, I also didn't think have had that good of a game 21 completions on 37 attempts 215 yards two touchdowns and an interception he just was inaccurate and he wasn't elevating this offense he almost helped them lead a comeback but he just wasn't able to perform early enough like he at the end of the game was playing well obviously led back-to-back score drives to get this within three points but he just feels like a quarterback who plays well enough to keep this game team in games and maybe win a couple but not win against serious contenders and get them over that hump into the playoffs. And then just the run defense on the whole, they allowed 216 yards, 5.5 yards per attempt, and four touchdowns. They're going to need to do better than that if they're going to want to beat teams. But once again, this is the Eagles. They have an amazing, amazing ground game. So we'll have to see how that develops forward. Now we have the Colts at the Texans in a 20-20 to tie. Um, obviously didn't predict the tie, but I did have the Texans covering, so... Yeah, this game obviously was as close as it can get. Um, the Colts had some good players play for them, though. Obviously, they have Michael Pittman. Um, I was very bearish on him. I didn't think he was going to have that good of a season, especially being, like once again, like the only target on this team. But he showed up today. Nine catches, 13 targets, 121 yards, and a touchdown. Um, yeah, he was, the, he was the main reason why they were in this game. Him and Jonathan Taylor going off 31 carries, 161 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, four catches on seven targets and 14 yards. 115 of those yards came after target or after contact, and he forced 10 missed tackles. He's the best running back in the league. Um, he's taken that crown from Derrick Henry. Until Derrick Henry can take it back, um, it belongs to Jonathan Taylor. And then Quentin Nelson was a big reason why Jonathan Taylor had a good game too. Who just dominating whoever was lined up in front of him and run blocking and only allowed one presser and pass protection. Um, yeah, he's back to being one of the best guards in the league, and that's good to see. Good for the game of football, just having the man eaters in the middle. Um, not playing as well, though, that's Julian Blackman giving up three catches, three targets, uh, 69 yards, and a touchdown. He was just late getting over top. 
he got juked by Chris Moore pretty badly on a screenplay. All the big plays I felt like were him. He was in the picture, but not quite there. And yeah, just as the free safety, your job is to keep a top on the defense. And he just wasn't doing that today. Uh, Braden Smith also had a pretty poor game. Their right tackle, four pressures allowed, one sack, just constantly being beat up by Jerry Hughes and everyone else along that defensive line. Then Alec Pierce, uh, rookie second round pick wide receiver, 0 for 2 on targets. Uh, he had a drop and he could not get open despite running 36 routes. Not what, not what you want to see out of someone who you have a lot of expectations and needs for. You need a number two receiver to step up here if you're the Colts. As for the Texans, Jerry Hughes has a dominant game. Uh, four pressures, two sacks, a TFL, dominant start to his Texans career, as I said. Uh, shows that he's still able to produce at 34 years old. Brandon Cooks, he went off to seven catches, 12 targets, 82 yards. Uh, one of the more consistent receivers in the league and still producing despite being the obvious number one. And then Jonathan Grenard also had a really nice game, but mostly in run defense and he also had a pressure where he forced Matt Ryan to get rid of the ball. That should have been an interception. Um, hopefully, he can keep it up and keep improving in his pass rushing abilities. But in run defense, he just looked like he was amazing. And in this deep Texans rotation off the edge, that while they don't might not have like the highest end players, they do have a lot of quality players. So hopefully, he's able to make some noise and stand out amongst them. And then not as good of a game, um, Derek Stingley. This kind of hurts to say because I'm really high on him. Um, six catches for nine on nine targets, 81 yards. He did have a really, really good rep against Alec Pierce in the end zone, resulting in a pass breakup. But he just gave up too much to Michael Pittman. Um, he wasn't able to handle the physicality. He was playing a lot, like very off. Like I kept thinking, like, man, like just get on him. You're a lot better athlete than Michael Pittman. If you're just like right there on him, he's not gonna beat you. Just stick on him like glue. But no, he was playing this off. I think he might have been trying to bait some throws and stuff. Jorked a couple times, but overall, not as good of a game as I think he's capable of. And I doubt that we'll see him on this kind of like the faller section as much. And then came a Gruger Hill, um, 13 catches allowed on 16 targets, 116 yards given up. It was just abused in coverage, um, especially by Naheem Hines. That was just a mismatch. It was ugly to watch. The announcers at one point said that Gruger Hill was having a nice game after he made like one play. I'm like, okay, yeah. Like, like it was like in like the third quarter. I was like, okay, like he's not having a bad game necessarily but i want to say it's like a great game then after that they just picked on him over and over again i was like yeah you, you guys are wrong this is a poor performance by um, kruger hill hopefully you can turn it around from here and then davis mills um 23 for 37 240 yards two touchdowns he had a great first half this isn't about that this is about the second half um he could not create any offense like they they were up like 20 to 3 at halftime and just from then did nothing he really struggled also on those outside the numbers, um, overthrowing them, underthrowing them, just not able to put it on his receivers there. Like, I didn't track how many balls he completed or was inaccurate on, but I just noticed that like a couple times I was just like, man, he's really not like not, not able to do this, not able to put the ball where it needs to go there. And I think this is also like a faller sort of view on him because he's not able to do that then the texans need to find someone who is 
Um, Davis Mills will keep you in games. He'll help you win. He'll win you a couple games that you probably shouldn't and probably don't want to win as the Texans because you need a quarterback, and Bryce Young can do that. C.J. Stroud can do that. Will Levis can do that. Davis Mills can't. Um, So I I think I'm kind of off the Davis Mills train now. Um, Hopefully that's not a week one overreaction, but we'll see. Uh, And then the Patriots going on to face the Dolphins. Um, losing 7-20 to 20, uh, was correct about the Dolphins being top, but incorrect because I thought this was going to be a close game. Uh, Patriots did not cover. Uh, Kyle Duggar, though, for the Patriots, did have a really good game. Um, two ta- or two completions on two targets for seven yards. He had two TFLs all over the field in run defense. Um, he did not miss a tackle in open field, had a couple really nice one-on-one tackles, and was pretty great in coverage, too. Dietrich Wise Jr. also went off. Four pressures, one sack, one forced fumble. Um, there's one play where he just absolutely destroyed Robert Hunt. Um, made a couple of nice plays all throughout the game, too. Overall, just really solid performance from a 2017 fourth-round pick who has his up and downs with the Patriots, but this definitely was one of the ups. And then Jacoby Myers, great game by him. Four catches for six yards, 55, or four catches, six attempts, um, 55 yards. Also had a rush for seven yards. He just had like a crazy sideline catch too. Just Mr. Reliable for this offense once again. Um, Mr. Reliable for Mac Jones, who was 21 for 30, 213 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Um, he didn't have a terrible game, but I still don't think it was a good game. Just nothing to be excited about. He can't elevate these receivers past what they are. And if the Miami's pass rush is getting after him, he will isn't providing you hope that he's going to be able to break out of it and produce, especially with Matt Patricia calling the plays. Like, man, this this offense just didn't look well put together. There was one play on fourth down. They ended up getting somehow. I forgot if it was a penalty or just someone ended up being open. But when they stopped the ball, everyone just like, like the entire offensive line, all the receivers, they were just standing around like, what are we doing? They like, I don't know. It was the one of the weirdest things I've seen where it looked like no one on the offense knew what was going on on a fourth down play. And I think they got it because of a penalty or maybe they only had like one guy who they were even anticipating throwing the ball to. So that was the only one who actually ran a serious route. I forgot. I should have put that in my notes. But I was just like, man, like they don't look like they know what they're doing on this play. And yeah, that's not what you want to see, especially on a fourth down call. Like, come on. Um, Raekwon McMillan also had a pretty bad game. Uh, four catches allowed on four targets, 39 yards given up. It was just back-to-back plays early on, maybe like quarter two, where he just looked absolutely lost in coverage. Um, yeah, just he's not a good coverage linebacker. He's a, an athletic, good sideline-to-sideline tackler, but he's a run defense first, and you want to get him off the field in these pass plays. Um, some ballers, though, for the Dolphins now. Moving on to the other side of the football, we have Tyree Kill just going off once again, being himself. Eight catches on 12 targets, 94 yards. He also had a six-yard rush in there. Um, he can still ball. Like, despite the downgraded quarterback going from Mahomes to Tua, he still showed, like, hey, I'm still him. Um, get, get him the ball short, and he's just going to work it. Brandon Jones also had a really nice game. Their safety, two catches on five targets, 22 yards. He had the strip sack that led to a touchdown. And then great coverage on the next play that should have resulted in a pick, I think. Um, and then Cade Cahoe, he is a slot cornerback listed, um, played some safety a bit too. And undrafted free agent 
allowed no target or no catches on two targets, had a one pass breakup, just a hell of a game for UDFA. Um, the pass breakup was on manned up on Hunter Henry, the big tight end. And yeah, just owned that route. He had a really nice tackle for loss and he forced a fumble just overall. Like he's making a case to be this team's starting nickel if he plays like that all the time. Um, Someone who's not making a case for himself, though, is Liam Eikenberg, giving up four pressures as a guard. He just couldn't generate any movement in the run game either. No push there, just overall poor performance from the second-year player out of Notre Dame. Uh, Jalen Phillips, he was a no-show this game for last year's first-round pick. He only had one tackle. That was the only stat that he put up, despite playing there for 40 snaps. Like, what are you doing out there? Like, your first-round pick, all this talent. And the Patriots' offensive line isn't something killer, just... He just decided not to show up, I guess. And then Nick Needham gave me up five catches on six targets for 96 yards. Gave up back-to-back big plays in the fourth quarter. Um, Nelson Aguilar and then Kendrick Bourne on that one route. Just, yeah, not what you want to see out of your starting outside corner or nickel corner. I'll be with you. All right, moving on. We got the Ravens taking on the Jets, uh, winning 24-9. to uh, Covering the spread, win-win in that category for me. Uh, Justin Houston having a monster of a game for the Ravens. Uh, six pressures, one sack, one tackle for loss. He looked young out there again, just destroying uh, George Fant out there. Uh, Justin Matubuike, also an amazing game. Five pressures, half a sack, one um, tackle for loss. Just a dominant force along the interior defensive line. So did Michael Pierce and Clays um, Campbell. They also played great, but just wanted to especially highlight Matubuike, a uh, bit of a lesser-known player, third year out. Uh, third round pick I believe a couple years ago and just had his way in both the run and the pass and then Devin, du- Devin DuVernay um, also a third year guy four catches four targets 54 yards and two touchdowns just produ- providing another outside threat there for Lamar which this team obviously needs with the trading of Hollywood Brown um, some followers for me include Kenyon Drake 11 carries 31 yards one catch for 15 yards just not really impressing in what might be his only game to show that he can be a lead back we'll see how long it takes for Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins to come back. But yeah, just definitely disappointed for Kenyon Drake. Ben Powers, he was only beat twice for pressures, but he just always seemed to be the one being moved, not the one doing the moving, not something you want to see out of your offensive linemen, obviously. And then Isaiah Likely had a monster preseason, all this hype, um, 0 for 4 on targets with a drop, not separating. And he also had pretty poor blocking this game too, including a holding. For the Jets, however, um, Michael Carter had a hell of a game. 10 carries, 60 yards, um, no touchdowns, though. But he also did have seven catches on nine targets for 40 yards. He looked very explosive, holding on to that starting gig, despite the high investment in Brees Hall, who, when he did get out there, did look pretty good, honestly. But Michael Carter clearly has a hold on this job. Sauce Gardner also had a great catch, finally, or great game. Uh, he finally gave up a catch, one catch on three targets. The only catch he allowed was a quick out versus off technique. He just played amazing, man. So excited to watch him keep playing and keep dominating. Like, how long can this go on? Um, DJ Reed also had a great, amazing game, maybe even better. Uh, one target, zero catches. Um, he had a pass breakup, an interception, forced fumble, just absolutely lockdown performance. George Fant, though, did not have a good game. Four pressures allowed, one sack. He just got worked by Justin Houston after looking like one of the better left tackles in the league last year. Lincoln Tomlinson, also terrible game. Eight pressures allowed. Just could not handle whoever was lined up in front of him. Um, He was poor for the Lions, had a career revival with the Niners, and now looking pretty poor again. Maybe the Niners are just his magic zone. Some players are just like that. 
players, including LaMarcus Joyner, uh, gave up one catch on one target for 55-yard touchdown. He had a PI call against him, too. He just hasn't really looked like a starter since leaving the Rams, giving up big plays for the Raiders, and now back here with the Jets doing the same. And then the Packers taking on the Vikings, uh, completely wrong about this game. 7-23, I sh- honestly should have seen it coming. The Packers week one are always just atrocious. Um, A.J. Dillon did have a nice game, though. 10 carries for 45 yards and a touchdown, as well as five catches on six targets for 46 yards. Um, yeah, he looked like the Packers' best offensive player, which, um, surprising to say the least, thought it would be Aaron Rodgers or Aaron Jones, but he was out there. He was explosive, running people over. He was the hammer, just dominant performance, even though the rest of the offense couldn't produce around him. Zach Tom, he also came in mid-game, the fourth-round rookie out of Wake Forest, uh, came in mid-game, stabilized that guard spot as a rookie. He only gave up one pressure. And then Kenny Clark, six pressures, no sacks though, but a TFL still dominating from the middle as always. Great game by him. Some fallers though, Christian Watson, two catches, four targets, 34 yards. He dropped a wide open touchdown after destroying Pat Pete on the first play. Um, he didn't see another target after that until quarter four where he almost gave up a turnover on a screenplay where he just didn't like stick his hands out to catch the ball. Um, Joe Barry also had a pretty poor game as the defensive coordinator. Like, why were they in zone so much? Put Jair Alexander on Justin Jefferson. Like, yeah, he got torched on that one play that went viral on Twitter. But he also had a pretty nice play on him that resulted in an OPI. Um, Put Jair on Justin Jefferson. Man up. Like, grow a pair. You have one of the best secondaries in the league. You can handle man coverage. Why don't you? And they are adamant about not doing it. And I just disagree with that. And then Aaron Rodgers, uh, 22 for 34, 195 yards, no touchdowns and interception. Um, he just looked defeated out there. He looked like he didn't want to play with these young receivers, uh, held on to the ball way too long, didn't trust them to make plays, wanted to throw it to them in contested situations. And he misses Devontae Adams, to say the least. He wishes he had someone also like Justin Jefferson, nine catches on 11 targets, 184 yards, two touchdowns, just baller, man. He might be the best receiver in the league. Devontae Adams had another good game, but man, Jefferson's coming for that crown. Zedaria Smith also had a really nice um, revenge game. Two pressures, one sack, one TFL. He was dominant out the gate. He definitely let off a bit later in the game. Um, not sure if he did it on purpose, but just like not as productive in the second half, but good to see him healthy and still producing. And then Harrison Smith, uh, four catches on five targets, 26 yards, had an interception, flying around all game in coverage and run defense, just always seemed to be near the ball. I was like, oh yeah, like Harrison Smith, there again, making it, making the tackle, making the mass breakup, um, being disruptive. Just a great game by him overall. Um, Fallers, I have uh, Jordan Hicks, I, just not a good game in coverage. Four catch, or five catches allowed on eight targets, 88 yards given up. Just picked in co- apart in coverage by these running backs, AJ Dillon, Aaron Jones, two of the, Aaron Jones is one of the best receiving backs in the game, and AJ Dillon led the team in receiving yards for the Packers um Hicks was able to force a fumble that was nice but overall for a coverage first linebacker wasn't his best game and then Pat Pete um four catches allowed six targets 55 uh, or 51 yards he should have given up that big play to Watson too which would make this all look even worse um he bit pretty hard on a fake screen that gave up a 20 yard play not looking as fast out there not looking as like knowledgeable about the game like he, he bit on that screen. That, not a good look by him. 
And yeah, definitely seems like he's on the downswing of his career. And if you've noticed, I've been doing three goods, three bats for each team. I couldn't find a third bat for the Vikings. They were just amazing out there. And then the Raiders and the Chargers. Um, Raiders losing 19-24. to I was wrong about this. I thought that Devontae Adams would go off and the Raiders would have a great offense because J.C. Jackson wasn't there. Um, I was right about Devontae Adams. 10 catches on 17 targets, 141 yards, one touchdown. Still looked elite despite the definite drop in quarterback play and the fact that you knew that the Raiders would just drop back hit Devontae and it was working Nate Hobbs also incredible game by him one target or one catch on two targets five yards one pass breakup two tackle for losses looked just like a true weapon killing it in coverage and in run defense he was playing both outside and in the slot when um he was playing in the slot initially that's how he was getting the TFLs and when um Anthony Averett went down for the Raiders. He kicked outside and played dominant there, too. Just, wow, surprising fifth-round pick from last year. Um, continuing his dominance, looking like one of the best corners in the league. And then Max Crosby, he did all he could. Uh, seven pressures, zero sacks, though, and a force or a tackle for loss. Uh, the ball was just getting out too quickly, but if the Raiders were covering a bit better, you definitely, like... Max could have had just one of his dominant signature games again. Um, not performing as well. We have Hunter Renfro, three catches, six yard or on six targets, twenty-one yards, and a fumble. Just a super quiet day, despite going against Bryce Callahan, who was on the downswing of his career. Jonathan Abram too, just not not in coverage. Three for six, uh, eleven t- uh, yards given up. Would have been more if Williams didn't have a drop early. But he just can't cover to save his life. He's a run first safety who probably shouldn't be out there in nickel packages, I think. And then Derek Carr, just, oh my God, one of the worst performances of his career. 22 for 37, 295 yards, two touchdowns, but three interceptions. He just held on to the ball for way too long. Like, yes, the Chargers D line had a good day, but the Raiders offensive line didn't have a bad day, I thought. Um, almost every single one of those sacks was on Carr standing in the pocket for like 20 years. There was no quick losses by the Raiders offensive line, which I was very surprised about going against a talented team. It was just Carr locked into Adams, and if Adams wasn't open, he'd hold on to the ball too long and get sacked. Just He was inaccurate too, under-throwing Adams a couple times, throwing it straight to the Chargers defensive backs. Like I don't know what kind of game that was. He had a poor game week one last year too. did still lead to a victory, but... Hopefully he bounces back from this because, man, the, the Raiders aren't going to do anything if Carr plays like this. They were still optimistic for the Raiders because they were still in this game despite that play, and Carr's not going to play like that every week. But the fact that this type of game is still in him is sad to see. And then the Chargers, you could see the difference in quarterback play clear as day. Justin Herbert, 26 of 34, 279 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. It's a master class performance by him. Under pressure often, but he still got the ball out fast and accurate, always finding the open guy. Cleo Mack, too. Man, Mack is back. Five pressures, three sacks, three TFLs. As I said, not any like real quick wins, but still able to beat some of the Raiders offensive linemen, uh, Colton Miller, a couple wins on him, a very talented left tackle. He's still one of the best players in the league, both as an edge rusher and as a run defender too. Then Rashawn Slater just locking up Chandler Jones. One pressure allowed, just a rock as always on his side. Uh, Mike Williams, though, did not have a good game. Two ca- two catches on four targets, 10 yards, and a drop. Just a non-factor despite Keenan Allen going down early. Surprising to see from him. 
And then Trey Pipkins um, also didn't have that good of a game going against Max Crosby. PFF only accredited him for two pressures, which I'm like, oh, that seems a little low, especially seeing Crosby had seven pressures. So where did those other five come from? I don't know. Watching the game, you just saw him getting walked back by Crosby play after play after play. And then this interior defensive line just didn't have a good game. Only three pressures allowed as a unit. Sebastian Joseph Day might as well have not been out there. He did absolutely nothing as one of the big tickets free agent signings. And the Raiders didn't really run the ball too much. Maybe they should have, though, because it was effective. Josh Jacobs had 5.7 yards per carry against this group with a really poor Raiders offensive line. And then the Giants at the Titans were one of the shocks of the week. Giants pulling off the upsets 21-20. to um, did not predict that. I thought the Titans would win and cover. Uh, but Jihad Ward had a hell of a game. He only had one pressure, zero sacks, zero tackles for loss. But you can't just always be looking at the stats. He looked great in run defense. Big reason why they were able to contain Henry, him playing on the edge there. Also playing that like some of that stand-up linebacker hand in the dirt. Bit of a hybrid role when earlier on in his, his career, he was more of like a hybrid inside player, you know, like kicking into three tech more. But now he's playing more of that like five to seven tech um, interesting switch that seems to be effective, at least as a run-setting, um, edge-setting run defender. And then Saquon. Saquon is back, baby. 18 carries, 164 yards, one touchdown, six catches for uh, seven targets for 30 yards, running at full force behind a line that actually is creating space for him. Good to see. Super excited. Hope he keeps us on. One of the most fun players to watch coming out of college and then his rookie year. Disappointed because I've been picking him up in fantasy drafts um, these past couple of years and this year I was like okay like I've been disappointed I'm not going to do it again and man I feel like I'm going to regret that and then O'Shane Zimenez uh, two pressures zero sacks zero tackles for losses once again not a great statistical game but you could just see him constantly around the ball constantly getting in the backfield uh, despite not having the numbers he performed well and he's going to be this team's number three like Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari were not in this game O'Shane Zimenez and Jihad Ward are going to come in on early downs, be these dominant run-defending edges, and then you're going to have O'Shane, or not O'Shane, um, Kayvon and Aziz coming off the edge, screaming, getting pressures on third down and in passing situations. This is a really nice edge group. I did not think I was going to be saying that coming into the year looking at it. It's like, okay, like top two have some potential, but O'Shane hasn't shown anything. Jihad hasn't shown anything. But man, this is I like this room. I like this room. Um, some followers, though, is Tay Crowder. Four uh, catches on five targets, 76 yards, one touchdown, just absolutely abused in coverage. He looks slow. He's not a starting NFL linebacker, um, but damn, he laid out Derrick Henry. You don't do that. You do not hit Derrick Henry that way. I don't know how he did it. If you haven't seen the clip, he did to Derrick Henry what Derrick Henry does to other people. And that's why I'm starting to be on the, like, okay, maybe Taylor is the best running back in the league now. Maybe Henry isn't King Henry anymore. Obviously, week one, don't want to overreact too much. But damn, Tay Crowder, what a hit, despite not having a good game. Um, Darnay Holmes, also the slot corner, not having a good game. Four catches allowed on seven reception or seven targets, uh, 53 yards. Just cooked by Kyle Phillips out there in the slot. And Joshua Ozueta also had a bad game. The rookie guard um, out of UNC came in for Bed Bredson. I believe it was because of an injury and gave up two pressures in a sack. On the Titans side of the ball, Jeffrey Simmons, just absolutely dominant. Once again, six pressures, two sacks, two tackle for losses, one forced fumble, destroying that interior uh, offensive line. He's one of the best defensive tackles in the leagues for sure. 
Kyle Phillips, also a great game by him. Six pressure or six catches, nine uh, targets, 66 yards. He did muff a punt that could have been costly if not for Amani Hooker getting that pick. But overall, he had a great game, was this team's number one target and getting open fast in the slot in a short game. And yeah, being their go-to guy, which they need a go-to guy without A.J. Brown. And then Amani Hooker, two, um, two catches allowed on three targets, 20 yards, one huge interception in the end zone, and also had a really nice one-on-one tackle in space with Saquon. Him and Kevin Byard are making a big case for the best safety duo in the league. And then some players not performing as well. Christian Fulton, four catches allowed on four targets, 84 yards, and a touchdown. He's one of the main reasons the Titans lost this game. He, for whatever reason, did not expect Sterling Shepard to get deep. You see him, he's kind of like backpedaling with him. And he's like, okay, like you aren't going to take me deep. Like I can cover you. And not even like looking at him, looking at the quarterback. Um, must have been like a cover three match or cover four. I forgot what it was, but he was just like playing a boundary deep zone and just kind of walked back with Shepard and was like, okay, like you're going to cut, you're going to cut. And Sir Shepard didn't cut. It was a huge play. And that quick score probably cost them the game. Like, just not just you can't be doing that as a starting corner um, Robert Woods one catch two targets 13 yards just a non-factor off there coming off the ACL um, expected more out of this team's number one wide receiver especially with AJ Brown being traded um, they need someone to step up and Woods has all the ability to he's shown to be a great wide receiver but for whatever reason just didn't work here week one and then Todd Downing, this offense just couldn't adjust in the second half, only scoring once after looking great pretty early on. Um, the most atrocious thing, I think, was third and one. You're going to run a tight end sweep with your third string tight end. Yes, it's Chico Quanquo. He's going to be a good player. Maybe not year one, but he has all the athletic tools to do so. But you have Terry Henry back there, one of the best running backs in the league. What are you doing? Hand him the ball. Let him get that one yard. Like, as I said, like maybe King Henry isn't the same as before, but I'm still going to give him the ball in that situation. Just you couldn't produce against the Giants defense, which maybe is better than what we think, but still like, come on, you, the Titans should have put more points on the board. And a lot of that was because of Todd Downing's offense. All right. And then we have the chiefs going to the Cardinals blow out of the week, 44 to 21, um, covered the spread, got the win. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, man, 30 of 39, 360 yards, five touchdowns, zero interceptions. Mahomes is not worried about not having Hill. I'm not worried about him not having Hill. He is dominant. He's my MVP pick for a reason. He's able to get the ball to all these different playmakers, all these different skill sets. This offense might be better than what it was before because they don't just have one guy who does it all. They have multiple guys who do different things who can be used in different ways. And I'm excited to see how this offense keeps rolling. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire also having one of his best games. Seven carries, 42 yards, three catches on three targets for 32 yards and two touchdowns. This is why they spent a first-round pick on the guy. Uh, he looked explosive out there, forced a couple missed tackles, and helped balance this team a lot more and make this offense hum. And then Travis Kelsey, hell of a game for him too. Eight catches on nine targets, 121 yards, uh, one touchdown. He wants to go out there and remind everyone that he is the best tight end in the league. I've been saying it's Kittle, but Kittle's injured. Kelsey is consistent. Kelsey still looks young out there. I was a bit worried about him getting up there in age, but nope, he shut me up right there. Fallers, um, I only have two here. As I said, I've been doing three, but I what they won 44 to 21. Most of that was garbage time by the Cardinals. But Orlando Brown did not look good out there. 
He should have accepted the money, man. He's not going to get more than what the Chiefs offered him before. Five pressures allowed to one of the worst pass rushing groups in the league. Like, you had Marcus Golden beating you. He's just not a good pass protector. Like, I don't know. There's not much more to say. He's good at moving forward in the run game and in, like, RPO styles pass protection, but not, like, true drop back pass protecting. That's just not what his game is built for. And he's in denial if he thinks that he's one of the top tackles in the league. And Willie Gay did not look good out there. Three catches allowed on three targets, 41 yards. I thought he looked slow. Um, he's one of the more athletic linebackers in the league. He ran like a 4-4, I believe, somewhere in that range. And he was just caught out of position multiple times and chasing guys. I was like, man, like, is that Willie Gay? Like, the first play I saw was like, okay, like, that wasn't a good play by this linebacker. I'm like, number 50, that's Willie Gay, right? Like, why does he look so slow out there? Um, but for the Cardinals... Um, I couldn't find more than two ballers for the Cardinals. Big blowout. Like, they just didn't really have guys stepping up. Um, Greg Dortch tried to his best. Uh, little five, nine slot receivers, seven catches, nine targets, 63 yards. Someone needs to step up and be this wide receiver one for this offense. And I guess it's going to be Dortch. That's not really exciting to say, but at least he was productive. Um, and then I guess I like I kind of have like the tackles as a duo. Both of them played well. Kevin Beecham and DJ Humphreys, they combined, only gave up three pressures. Overall, a solid game by them, and definitely not the reason why this offense couldn't get going. Um, but on the bad side for the Cardinals, we have Isaiah Simmons. Three catches, three targets, 53 yards, and a touchdown. He just got cooked multiple times um, by Juju, by Kelsey. Whoever was in the middle of the field was like, oh, yeah. Isaiah Simmons might as well not be there. Um, he also got ran over pretty hard by Kelsey. Like that was just not a good look for someone who was seen as one of the best defensive prospects coming out a couple of years ago. Also on the defensive end, Byron Murphy Jr., five catches, six targets, 39 yards, one touchdown. He wasn't really giving up big plays, but he just kept getting hit underneath. Um, and yeah, it looks like the Chiefs team is going to be a death by a thousand paper cuts, and Byron Murphy could not deal with that. And AJ Green, two tar or two catches on four targets, thirteen yards. He did so little in this game when it actually mattered that I forgot that he was even on this team. Um, he made a catch in like third, fourth quarter, or something like that. When it was like, okay, like this is just kind of like definitely garbage time area. And I'm like, eighteen. Who's eighteen? Looked at the roster. I'm like, holy crap! Oh, that's AJ Green. Forgot he was there. Like, yeah, that's probably not the best thing about me that I forgot. But yeah, like I'm gonna be honest. I just he was not on this team practically for the first half of that game. Not something you want to see out of someone who's going to be their ex-wide receiver until Luke comes back. And then we have Sunday Night Football. Bucks taking on the Cowboys, dominating their 19-3 win-win for me. Um, Antoine Winfield Jr., great game by him. He gave up five catches for 55 yards on eight targets. So not the most impressive numbers, but he had an interception to... Um, Easy play for him. Honestly, he was in great coverage, and Dak still threw it anyways. Don't know why. Also, impressive play early on versus the screen, just blowing it up. Uh, yeah, just great overall game by him. He's one of the best safeties in the league. Julio Jones, he's back. Two carries for 17 yards and three catches on five targets for 69 yards. He looks full speed. He was the fastest Bucks player out there. And yeah, he's ready to be a contributor to an offense who doesn't need him to be the number one guy, and that's scary. And Carlton Davis, also a great game by him. Two catches allowed on eight targets, 25 yards, two pass breakups, locking down C.D. Lamb for most of the game. They kept trying to go at him, and he was like, nah, C.D.'s not getting this. And very impressive after getting that nice payday. Well-deserved. 
Um, not doing so well for the Buccaneers, though, is Donovan Smith and Josh Wells. Donovan Smith went out early with injury. Um, combined, they went, they gave up five pressures, two sacks. And hopefully Smith isn't down for too long, but he wasn't playing good. He's been consistent throughout his career, but this was like the first game where he was like, wow, he just looks bad out there. Like, who knows how much he would have given up if he didn't get injured. Vita Vea also had a quiet game. Um, only one TFL, but they didn't really need too much from him, obviously. Like, they were dominant with or without him. I think that they would have dominated this game. And so he was just kind of like, okay, like, I'll be here. I'll eat up space in the middle and let other people make plays. Then Cameron Braid, one target, three catches, seven um, yards, or sorry, one catch, three targets, seven yards, one drop. Tom Brady loves to go to his tight ends, but if Cameron Braid ain't going to step up, if he's going to drop catches, not really do much, then yeah, it looks like this team's going to go out to all the plethora of wide receivers and just wait until Gronk comes back in Thanksgiving time. And then we have the Cowboys side of the ball. Noah Brown really stepped up this game. Five catches on nine targets, 68 yards. Um, he looked like the best receiver out there, sadly, with C.D. Lamb just not having that good of a game. Um, yeah, no one else on this wide receiver core was stepping up. You have Gallup and James Washington out with injury, C.D. not producing, and Noah Brown just got the targets because he was the only one guy really getting open. Dalton Schultz also did pretty good here. Seven catches, nine targets, 62 yards. Um, just a good security blanket type of game. Like, yeah, getting open underneath, I guess. Uh, not, I said Noah Brown was the only one getting open. So did Dalton Schultz, but that was more so just getting open over the middle, getting a couple short catches, and then turning them for a bit more yards, you know? And then Michael Parsons, baller of the game. Five pressures, two sacks, two tackle losses. He mostly played edge, but he did play a stand-up linebacker role too. But they should just keep him on the edge full-time. He's one of the best, best pass rushers in the league. And it's like, at what point is he such a good pass rusher that it's no longer valuable to put him at linebacker where at edge rusher? You are making an impact every play. if Or you, are, you have the ability to make the, an impact every play as long as it's not just like a quick out like so fast out of the quarterback's hands that it's like okay yeah obviously you can't impact that but you're going to impact almost every play as an edge rusher versus a linebacker like if you're a linebacker right here and the quarterback's targeting over here sorry if you're on audio just if you're a linebacker on like the numbers on the left side of the field and the quarterback the first read second read are both on the right side of the field then it's like yeah you're just out of the play no matter how good your coverage is you just can't impact that play so, I don't know. I think they should move Parsons to a full-time edge rusher because he's clearly dominant there. Uh, some followers for the Cowboys. Dak, he 14 catches, 29 attempts, 134 yards and in an interception. He was just inaccurate all day and forcing it into coverage. And then an injury will cause him to miss time. And this Cowboys team was just rough rough start to the season man using losing your star quarterback like Dak's not going to play like this every game hopefully when he comes back from injury he doesn't have a Russell Wilson type thing where he's just not the same anymore because the division might be lost already with how good the Eagles looked and how bad the Cowboys looked it's tough to see this team winning a lot of games with Cooper Rush and being close enough where Dak can push them to the NFC East title but maybe they can still win like nine games sneak in the playoffs Without Dak, that's going to be very, very difficult. Anthony Brown, six catches on eight targets, 108 yards. How is he still starting? Um, last year, he was one of the worst starting cornerbacks in the league. This year, like, 
once again, no one even like targets Diggs that much anymore because Brown is just showing to be one of the worst starting corners in the league. Um, Diggs just did have a good game. I didn't put him as one of the ballers. He was only beat like one time for a touchdown. That's what everyone's going to talk about. But overall, that was like that was like the only time he really got beat. Great game by Diggs. Want to say that real quick? But yeah, part of that was because Anthony Brown on the other side was just pooping the bed. And then Ceedee Lamb. Two catches on 11 targets, 29 yards, one drop, could not get consistently open, and he didn't win those contested catch opportunities that he did receive. So overall, a poor game by him. Then Broncos taking on the Seahawks. Seahawks winning 17-16. I was correct that the Seahawks would keep it close, but did not see them actually pulling off the upset. Like, I saw that as a possibility, but I'm like, oh, no, like, that would be hilarious, but it's not going to happen, but it did. Um, starting off with the Broncos, though, Jerry Judy had a hell of a game, did his mo- did his best to keep them in it. Four catches, seven targets, 102 yards, one touchdown. Um, he was the big play threat that this team needed and had an amazing catch over Kobe Bryant. Just absolutely embarrassed him. Uh, he did have a drop, though. That was, that was rough. That's the thing that's held him back most in his career, and it showed up again today. Hopefully he can work on that. Bradley Chubb, hell of a game for him, too. Three pressures, two ta- uh, two sacks, two tackles for losses. Um, just destroyed the rookie Charles Cross. Hopefully, this version of Chubb is back to being like one of the better edge rushers in the league because he struggled with health and consistency. So, we'll see if this was just him dominating a rookie or if he is going to be great. And then Andrew Beck, the fullback tight end hybrid, two catches, three targets, fifty-two yards, um, no touchdowns. He wasn't out there much, and he had a drop on the first play of the game. But he made up for it on the next play with a pretty good catch and run. And then a great one-handed catch later. Uh, he had some good blocking reps too. And a touchdown that was negated by penalty. Um, yeah, he, he was just this like hybrid H-back type. Really exciting to watch. Kyle Juszczyk-esque. And I'm excited to see him keep producing because who doesn't love good fullback? Some followers though, Russell Wilson, 29 of 42, 30, uh, 340 yards, one touchdown. He just looked uncomfortable out there. Bailing from clean pockets, um, underthrowing players. Like the touchdown that he did throw probably should have been a pick. It was really badly underthrown. Uh, Jerry Judy just made up for it and turned it into a touchdown. He had another play that he terribly underthrew. It was like, or not over, uh, overthrew, just like a moon ball heave to the middle of the end zone where there wasn't even anyone around. Should have been an easy pick for Quandre Diggs, but he dropped it. Yeah, not, not a great game. Pat Sertain, he allowed all six of his targets to be caught for 35 yards. Um, he was just out physical by Metcalf. He didn't really have a terrible game. Like, there was a lot of times where he was right there, just barely missed it. But, yeah, the physicality of Metcalf just, he couldn't keep up with him. That was definitely disappointing to see. And then Jonathan Cooper, he didn't really play much. Um, a former seventh-round pick, so not really too high of expectations for him, but... He didn't make one really good play and then just taunted, gave up for 15 yards and a first down. Just like, man, like, you're talented. He had a pretty good rookie season despite being seventh round pick. And you want him to see the field more. And he could see the field more with his talent. But if you're going to make dumb plays like that, like, that's costing your team the game. On the Seahawks side of the ball, though, Geno Smith, half a day, 23 of 28, 195 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. They wrote him off. He didn't write back. Man, that's one of the best quotes I've ever heard. Uh, very game manager-y type of game. He kept the ball safe, got it effectively to his playmakers and let them do the rest. But this is what you want to see out of Gino. Um, he was accurate, decisive. He looked like he 
belongs to be a starter in the NFL. And hopefully they put a bit more on his plate and let him kind of open up this offense more because this wasn't a great offensive game, but did just enough to win and hell of a start to the Geno era in Seattle. Uchenna and Wosu also had a really good game for his first one in Seattle. Uh, five pressures, one sack, one tack for loss, good day running, rushing the passer, and really good day in run defense, even better, I believe. Had another TFL that didn't count but, uh, because of penalties, but he was their probably their best defensive player just all over the field last night. And then Abe Lucas, the rookie third-round pick, uh, three pressures allowed, but zero sacks. Had a overall a good day for going against Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb. He really held his own on his end, but on the other hand, Charles Cross did not. Four pressures, two sacks, just constantly getting beat by Chubb. A big welcome to the NFL moment. We'll see if that was just Chubb being dominant and Cross will be better from here on out, but for one of the best pass-protecting tackles from this class, he did not look like it at all to, uh, that night. Kobe Bryant, he also got out there for only like two snaps. Um, and he just got destroyed by Jerry Judy on that play. Um, look up Jerry Judy's touchdown if you didn't see it. So Judy had him by like a good five yards or so. And then just a terribly underthrown ball by Russ. Judy makes the adjustment, mosses Kobe Bryant just all over him. And then pushes off him, says, get off me, breaks the tackle, and takes it to the house. Just two bad plays in a row by Kobe Bryant on the same play. Um, he had the chance to earn the starting gig here, either in the nickel or on the outside, and didn't earn it. And we all saw why right there. And then Michael Jackson, uh, two targets for five on five, sorry, five targets on two catches for 19 yards. Honestly, not a bad day in coverage at all. Um, I just kind of wanted to highlight he got ran over back-to-back plays um, by tight ends. And obviously a tight end going against a cornerback, that's going to be a tough play to make. But man, just back-to-back plays, he was just truck-sticked. It looked like something out of Madden. It was pretty bad. He had a nice TFL later in the game, too, to make up for it. And then was playing pretty well down the stretch. Um, probably doesn't deserve to be on, like, the fallers as one of the like worst players. He was not one of the worst players for the Seahawks. I just kind of wanted to be like, okay, like, we're going to be tackling a bit. Put, like, hit the weight room a bit more. You just got destroyed. All right. And so that was all the week one game slates. So moving on, looking forward, um, this episode's coming out today on Wednesday. My next episode will come out Friday, previewing the rest of the NFL week. But I still wanted to get the Thursday night football game in. Chiefs at Chargers. Can the Chiefs continue this dominant offense that they had from week one? Like They just looked absolutely unstoppable. And the Chargers defense didn't look that great last week. Like, yeah, they have three, three interceptions and five sacks. But I'm putting that on car. They weren't, they'll probably have their way against these tackles again, just because it's not a great tackle duo for the Chiefs. But I think these wide receivers could absolutely destroy the Chargers cornerbacks, especially if JC Jackson isn't back yet. I don't think he is. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe like I'm going to look like stupid when this posts, but I think the Chiefs offense could just have an absolutely field day as long as the Chiefs offensive line can block Mac and Bosa. Um, another thing I'm looking forward to is how are these Chargers wide receivers going to look? Keenan Allen is officially out, I believe. I just saw that. And can they produce against this Chiefs um, secondary? Trent McDuffie is out, the rookie first-round pick, who had a pretty good game last year or last week. Um, so you got two of the best players on either side out, but I still think that the Chiefs have the advantage just because Mike Williams didn't look like he was able to do anything out there. And maybe DeAndre Carter, the slot receiver, he had a pretty good game against the Raiders. Maybe he still steps it up in the slot there against Legereus Need, who's had a really up-and-down career. But either way, 
I don't think that this Chargers offense will look as good as it could if it had Keenan Allen. Um, I think that the Chiefs are going to be able to cover right now. It's a four and a half point spread using DraftKings for this um, this time. And I think the Chiefs cover and win this game. All right, so that's going to do it for today's episode. Um, if you liked what you see, hit that like button, subscribe for more NFL content, and I'll see you guys all Friday.